0: You know, I do think, and I still believe that if you master or you're very good at the mental side of golf, I think it transcends into everything else almost more than any other sport because of that time frame. you're on your own and you have too much time to think about things. You have to really like control how you talk to yourself, how you think, being able to switch off, being able to stay present. That's probably the biggest element mentally of golf that is different to so many other sports.
1: What gives us our edge? And how do we go beyond it? How thin is the line between taking part and tipping into victory? What inspires those moments of rare advantage, down to the millimetre, down to the microsecond, that change the shape of a race? Is it faith, talent, focus, or sheer determination? Are winners born or made? And what happens when things go wrong or when it all goes right? Welcome to The Edge. We'll be talking to people operating at the very edge of possibility. From athletes to actors, and from artists to entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Theo van den and we'll be giving you the fuel you need to get in the zone and leave your limits in the dust. Watch out. This is The Edge, a podcast by Tag Heuer. Tommy Fleetwood, welcome to the Edge with Tag Hoyer. Thank you very much for being here with us today. Um where in the world are you right now?
0: Uh I'm in Orlando right now in America so I have um a week before my before the first major of the year. Um so it's it's like um a practice week, prep week this week and then um, eventually uh, I'll be flying back to the UK at some point. I've been away for a while now. Oh,
1: have you? Okay. So, so you missed the, uh, the reopening of the golf courses yesterday, which is obviously yeah, a very exciting I've, um, moment.
0: I've been one of those lucky ones that's been playing golf the whole time, just not um, in the UK. So I'll, uh, I'll <laughs> give everybody in the UK a day of golf without me
1: okay okay that's good to hear um so i guess the, I, what we always ask people on our podcast is to kind of give us a little bit of a a brief lowdown on how they get got to where they are and how tommy fleetwood became tommy fleetwood so tell us a little bit about about you tommy
0: um yeah okay that's a, that's a good starting point um so i'm 30 years old um i guess the i guess the most important things i'm a Father, husband, stepfather, um, a son, I think those are the most important things. I've been a professional golfer touring the world professionally since I was 19. Um, I played, um, I mean, I I took up the game as a kid and and in all honesty, I've done very little else in terms of, um, well, I've done nothing else in terms of my career and sort of when I was a, a kid and when I was in school, um, that was always my interests outside of school um, I left high school when I was 16 um, and gave myself a couple of years to play full-time rather than going to college or getting a job and at that point I was doing really really well at the game and um, you know turn turned pro a year later I played for the national team traveled the world doing that wow. um, and that's you know that's basically been it really it's been my you know, interest. Like I say, it, since a kid, I did all the normal kid things at school, all of that. Um, I contemplated going to drama school when I left high school. Uh, did you? This, uh, oh. Yeah. That well, it was. It was the only other thing really that that interested me. I studied drama at GCSE and did well, and that was like the only. And I mean it. You know, it was. I. I didn't studying wasn't massively my thing. I wasn't. Um, I always did the bare minimum. To get me by, I look back and think, I kind of wish I'd done more. I tell my kids to do more, uh, yeah. but I wasn't the best example of it. And that was the only other thing that kind of interests me. And um, you know, obviously, when you leave school and you decide you're gonna, I didn't put that much pressure on myself, but um, you know, I kind of threw all my eggs in one basket and and tried the golf thing, and it and it worked out.
1: That's it's quite a brave thing to do. I mean, were your, par- were your parents fully kind of on side with that decision?
0: Yeah. They've, they've always been really supportive. Um, like I was, you know, I've been very lucky, uh, to have parents like that, that would, you know, the only thing that they ever asked really was that I give it a hundred percent, whatever I was doing. Um, like, you know, try as hard as I can enjoy it. And that was, you know, pretty much all they ever asked of me. So they were completely on board with that. And it, it is a big commitment. For all of you involved, I guess, Um, Mm. knowing that the sun is kind of planning on doing one thing and not really giving anything else a look, but um, like I say, it worked out, and they obviously had a lot of faith in me.
1: Of course, I mean, so what? What was your kind of? I mean, you said that golf was a big part of your life from the get go, but what's your kind of earliest memory of of golf? What What's the kind of thing that sticks in your mind?
0: I think my my earliest memory for myself, you know, I remember hitting golf shots. When I was five or six, um, I remember, you know, my dad always playing, my older brother played. So I, being a little kid, I just wanted to join in more than anything else. And um, I got hooked pretty quickly. I was pretty good at it. Like I could always hit it. And that was the enjoyable thing about it. Like I could hit the ball. So, um, and then, you know, those guys playing, I just wanted to to be around and, and do that. And, and that was it. I never, I think I played, I think I played my first tournament when I was seven and I had no idea. Um, I'd never played with anyone else really. Um, I I remember that distinctly. I'd never played with anybody else. I didn't know how good I was supposed to be, how good they were. I just wanted to play. Um, I shot 131 and finished second to last because somebody gave up and didn't, and didn't finish um but that you know that wasn't the point I just it was just a day of like my first event and like that was it really so I had um I think being a kid I had nobody to sort of compare myself with I just wanted to play and and that was it.
1: I mean there's something quite lovely about that in the sense you hear a lot of sports people you know when they start there's a quite a lot of pressure on them to to do it, whether that's from parents or whatever. And there's also that kind of idea that if you don't, if you're not really, really, really good from the get go, and it sounds like you work a bit. I mean, that could put someone off very quickly. A tournament where you come second to last, you know what I mean. So you have yeah, obviously persevered I, I because you really enjoyed it, which is
0: yeah. Wow. I think it's I think it's getting harder and harder to be like that as well. Just with everything mm-hmm. that comes with um, social media in this day and age, I just think everything's out in in the open a bit more. I, I was probably. Probably one of the last, you know, set of kids that didn't have that. Like I, yeah, you know, I was just we could just play and and turn up and and nothing really mattered that much. But yeah, I never. um I, I guess yeah, I was lucky. I didn't get deflated or anything by shooting that score. I I always laugh at it now because I can I can easily tell that story to kids and I think it's a helpful one. Like you know, I yeah. finished second to last, shot one hundred and thirty one, and. You know, they laugh and say, "Oh, I play terrible when they shot like 80. So, um, when I can tell that one, it kind of helps.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you've got your son, Frankie mm-hmm. Franklin. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just, do you kind of? I've seen videos of um, you kind of playing with him or kind of yeah. guiding him at least. Um, how do you? How do you approach that? Does he have a real interest in it? Is it something that you'd kind of want him to go into? How? How do you? How do you? Navigate
0: he, um, that? He enjoys doing everything and he enjoys hanging out with us and watching us play so he wants to join in i when like i can sort of sense i'm in for a lifetime of him not really listening to what I have to say about it um I can see that already even at three and a half but he i yeah I like his interest and i I obviously love him one in two you know even at this age I love him just being interested and wanting to play and enjoy in a game that has brought me a lot of joy I guess um I I know 100% that there's never going to be any pressure from me for him to do anything that he wants I'll just guide him in the best way possible but it is Mm. it's really really nice um just standing with him and hitting some balls or doing some putting it's it's a really nice um it's a really nice thing to do like I just enjoy that so much
1: yeah i mean aside from the competition element i mean it's it's a it's a wonderful bonding thing i mean i used to do it with my dad and we were both absolutely appalling yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um so you you married your wife claire in 2017 and she's also your manager do is it do you have you kind of created a circle around you so all of your kind of social and family life are connected to your professional life and how do you manage that um and you know how do you keep that work-life balance how it must be tricky
0: yeah i i think it it seems to have it seems to have really like turned out that way um i don't think it was ever anything planned or anything like that um you know obviously claire is a great example um what you know was my manager and then we fell in love and and things progressed that way i'm unbelievably lucky that we have that relationship where we can just separate it so easily. um we were just laughing yesterday because she tells me to come into the office when she's got something like, something work-related to say. So I have to make that walk to the office to go and discuss something. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's always worked out great. And I think that the one thing that I, that I have is, so I have the people that I really, really can trust um, that care about me as a person. And I always think that's the, the most important thing out of it all, um, that they, you know, with, you know, especially you say Claire, Claire cares about me more than any um, golf shot, any deal, any anything like that. She cares more about me than any of that by a long, long way. And I think that's so, so important. And the same goes for other people around me. I Like I say, it was never planned. And I think I'm also looking at the fact that I have, people are very good at what they do that I just happen to be very close with that I have a Mm. close relationship with. So, um, that all works out. It's, you know, nothing's ever, um, final or anything like that. But I, I do know that I have lasting relationships, um, going through life, um, whether it involves work or not with those people.
1: Mm. It's an interesting one, I guess, because you look at a lot of very, very successful, um, players of individual sports so whether you know it's in tennis or golf and you know often there are those family connections that they have around them and I guess that that must be a very important thing because as you say if you're not if it's not a team that you're on you need people on your team that really really care and want you to do well as emotionally as well as kind of in terms of the sport
0: for sure the trust element is huge and that emotional support on because in you know, I'm I'm kind of, I probably have met a sportsman that doesn't live and breathe what they do, but it, it does, you know, it, it is your life in a way. You, you completely live and breathe it. And, you know, so having that emotional support and the people that just know just what to do because they know you so well, whether it be you just need somebody to sit next to you and not say anything, or whether you need a kick up the arse, or whether you need, you know, just, Somebody to take you and do something completely different and just know that without needing any other information or needing to be nudged, I think is so, so important and such a help.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it's been an interesting year for everyone, insofar as they've kind of been working in close confines with most of their family. <laughs> Maybe not in the same way that you have. Um, how how has the last year been for you? I mean, you said you've been playing a lot, just not in the UK. How? What? T- t- talk me through what, what's 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 been happening.
0: So the first lockdown, which was a year ago now, mm. um like You look back on that, and nobody knew what was happening at all. Um, but that first lockdown was. I definitely saw it and found it as time that I'd never had, uh, for sure, um, and time given to us that, you know, I'm, I've always been on the road, um, and we had all of a sudden you're given two, three months of waking up in the same bed, waking up to Claire every day, spending a full day with your family and figuring out things to do, but all all together, and it was it was it was a beautiful time for us. It it was I you know, do wish it had come at better circumstances, but for us on a personal level, the time given to us was amazing. Um, I think golf was one of the first things to start mm. pretty much. And um, it started over here in America. And, um, you know, eventually I left it a few weeks and then decided to travel and we did the quarantine and everything and, and started playing. And aside from there being no crowds, it you know, life went on relatively normal from a golfers, from a touring golfers perspective in America playing playing the sport. And um because of my work, we've sort of dipped in and out of the UK and, you know, in terms of experiencing the lockdowns or what's been going on. And we were home over Christmas and everything, which was different, and then um we had to travel again. You know, I've been very, very lucky being able to do my job and kind of we've missed out on a, a you know, a lot of the difficult period in the UK. So, um, you know, that's, you know, that's been a, it's, it's been lucky. It's been lucky for us really.
1: Yeah. Amazingly. I mean, it, it's an interesting one kind of looking at the, just the conversation around golf that's happened since the lockdowns and the kind of, in a way, the way that the world has slowed down and kind of, taken those pleasure moments and moments with family and doing things that aren't kind of so frenetic um as a real as a real thing do you think that's going to benefit golf as a sport do you do you see that there's going to do you feel like there's going to be an upturn or is that a very abstract connection
0: um well, i i would i would hope it to i know golf being the outside sport sport it is and easy to social distance it has definitely from that perspective sort of gave the sport a new popularity in a way and I, I, I genuinely do believe in golf being a um, having a lot of benefits physically and mentally, and you know being able to do something with your family. Um, I have lived the sport, so obviously I believe that. But I, I do, you know, I hope that it does bring more people into the sport, and people get a lot of benefits and joy out of it because I, I think that that's what it, that's what it can bring. So I, um, I hope so in the future.
1: Hmm. Um. And kind of on that point, they're talking about family. I mean, how, and in terms of golf today and back then, like how has it changed as a sport? I mean, this is kind of a big question, I guess, but how has it changed as a sport since you started, since your father's generation? Um, what, what have been the shifts, the prime shifts?
0: I, th- I think in a similar way to a lot of things, golf and golfers have kept improving through technology, through um, knowledge, um through a lot of things it is i mean it's it's a more athletic sport than it's ever been you know i I kind of hate to say because i don't i don't play the game for this reason but the money that is involved means it is like the the margins and everything it becomes a lot more of a competitive sport i'm not going to get like too deep into it but i think a lot of people talk about the pace of play and how slow golf is as a sport but i i don't think people that or people don't give enough recognition for there is so much money on the line these days when you're playing golf, you know, we play for an obscene amount at times, mm. you know, it's hard to make a decision in 40 seconds. Sometimes there probably is more of a separation these days between like, you know, the higher echelons of professional golf and playing at an amateur level club level because of those kind of, you know, those kind of things. But definitely in terms of an athletic sport, in terms of technology, um, And in terms of what is up for grabs, it is different than when I was a kid. And you, and for me, I've gone through the transition of playing a game that I love just for the enjoyment of it, which I actually still do. I still transition from I'll come home and I'll play with my kids and just enjoy hitting, doing anything. Like I could shoot 131 again and love it just as much. (laughs) And then I transition into playing for our, for my livelihood and um, every shot from a Thursday morning at 7.30 until Sunday at 6 p.m every shot means the same and it is um you know it's it's a lot of like mental and physical energy that it takes up on you
1: sure I, do, do you think those changes are good for the sport I mean I imagine the the, the athleticism one but like is fantastic but in terms of the money as does that make it um is, the, is it increased pressure? I assume it is. It must be at the level that you're playing.
0: Um, it, it. I mean, it does increase pressure. Um, the the other side of it is you can financially set up your family for life at an earlier age, um, which is great. And I think it probably gives golfers now, you're not seeing it yet, but I think you might see golfers start retiring at an earlier age. I'm not saying, you know, it's nothing like a sport like football or anything where 35 is your limit um hmm. but i i definitely i have a feeling there'll be people that retire at an earlier age these days than keep playing all the way through the lives until they're 60. golf to me is constantly getting better i think it's um you know and all the technology and everything makes it easier for any level of golfer to play which can only make it more enjoyable which um i think is a good thing
1: but it'd be good to talk a little bit about that technology because obviously there's the Tag Heuer connected watch, which yeah. um, they, there's a golf version. And it would be good to kind of hear from you what the most exciting innovations have been and the ones that have kind of helped you most and helped your game.
0: Yeah, I've spent the last 10, 12 years playing and spending time with people at the highest end of golf, um, whether it be the best amateurs, whether it be the best professionals in the world. I have a 12 and a 14-year-old that are obsessed with the game that play, you know, every day. And I have a dad who's 65 who plays once, twice a week, who is like your regular golfer. And I see how the watch helps every single, you know, all those versions of the players. I, I, you know, one of the kids will say, "Um, this, you know, he would like, he would like to know this or he likes wearing the watch because it's all in this yardage or, oh, look at that, I've hit, you know, my T-shirts here and he likes it for that reason or my dad will like it for, oh, you know, my seven iron won't carry the water when I always thought it would or, you know, (laughs) I think like there's things like that and then I will see it from a perspective where, I, you know, recently in January was testing new clubs and go out on the golf course and the watch helps me do that because it it can track, you know, how far these clubs are going and everything on the golf course. And, Mm. you know, it's, there's few things really that can relate to every level of golfer and help them individually, um, you know, with, you know, you don't have to go and have a lesson. You don't have to, practice on the range for two hours you're getting information straight away and it's helping all those levels and I think um you know I think it's great for that and I've experienced it on all those levels
1: if there was a gadget that could be invented to help your game what what would that gadget be and what would it do (laughs) that is
0: a that is a curveball without hitting a shot for me um, yeah yeah far from that without hitting a shot for me I don't know I I think you know for for ease of everything having a gadget that is telling you exactly what you're doing uh what you're doing right or what you're doing wrong i th- i think is the best first ver- is the best version yeah, yeah. of help of helping anybody um for you know and again um you know i I see it in my kids like my my oldest stepson will hit the ball great all day and he'll put terrible but then he'll finish and he'll go straight to the range because. That's just what he wants to do. Where um, having something that's going to tell him, well, you know, you need to practice your putting because, again, they don't listen to me. So, you don't (laughs) know what I say. um, It kind of gets shot down, but maybe they will like look at something that they've tracked and put in themselves and say, oh, this, you know, this is what I need to do. And actually being able to improve by not doing anything different. By just having something right in front of you and having a little bit more knowledge, I think, is you know, I, I do think that's the best kind of gadget because I still believe in um, figuring things out yourself as well and trying to get better yourself, so I think that's really good.
1: That's interesting, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I guess it'll it, be good to talk a little bit about the human side as well of the city of golf, um, you know. Traditionally, it's been a very specific demographic that have engaged with golf, and I'm—I imagine that's changed. Has it changed? Like, has it changed in terms of gender and class and race? And I I think it's—I
0: think it's changing and growing all the time. Um, And I think that's so important uh, for the game. I mean, my—you know—I love seeing kids on a range and enjoying the game. And and the you know the, the truth is, for me, if it was if we still had to wear a jacket and tie and play golf, I would still be doing the same thing. I would still play golf and I would put a jacket and tie and I would play. It doesn't mean I want to do that or oh, I think it's right, but I would. Um, right. But I don't think people would start playing the game if that was the case. And I've you know I've said it for a long time that to make the game more accessible, like certain rules have to just be given some leeway. And, um, you know, uh, kids is kind of my thing. I always look at that and I always want to see those guys enjoying and starting the game and picking that up because I I think that is the way to, to grow the game. And I think it's very, very good for them. So, um, you know, I obviously am not, you know, don't look like the typical, golfer in a in a way. Um, not for any reason that I just look different, not that I try to, but I you know, I think have being able to being able, you know, if you're twelve years old or fourteen years old and being able to turn up to a golf club in just, you know, your normal T shirt and and shorts and trainers and pick up a golf club and just be able to go out there and, and play a little bit and enjoy it in the way you want to is is so important for the future of the game.
1: Absolutely. But you have cultivated your own kind of very unique style, which is appealing in its own way, and it's and personally, you know, I look you look at the lights, vinyl, palm, or whatever, and the glamour of that, and there's a glamour to what you do. Like you'd have a very specific thing, and I think there is something there is something nice about that. I mean, I guess that is the same across all sports, isn't it? You know, that if you're interested in that side of things, it's going to appeal to you. But I guess as long as it doesn't alienate anyone, is the key, well, right?
0: Yeah, and I, I think being able to transition as closely as possible to being able to wear something that I would walk around at home if I was, you know, out with Claire shopping or something to then going out on the golf course and it being, doesn't have to be a, doesn't have to be exactly the same look, but something similar. Um, I, you know, I believe in people being comfortable, um, completely. I, you know, completely agree that. I think shoes, footwear, um, Like I, you know, we spent all day, all day on our feet in shoes. And, um, I, again, keep going on about how lucky I am. I have a partner like Nike. So, you know, they've just brought out a shoe that's an Air Max golf shoe. Well, I'll stand (laughs) in an Air Max all day. Like, you you know, (laughs) like that, that, but that, that kind of thing, um, you know, you go back to shoes and somebody has got to put a pair of, you know, leather heavy boots on with spikes in and playing them. Well, I'm not too keen on that for six hours. Like I would, I would rather, yeah. I, you know, I'd much rather wear a comfy shoe and a trainer. And I, you know, again, if there's a way of playing football or tennis in a pair of shoes and you can play golf equally in them, something like that, I I just think can only help the game. And um, if I make a difference in people looking at me and seeing me in a pair of Air Max and a, like a, crew neck sweater that's a bit oversized and they'll think oh like you can play golf in that i'd do that well Mm. then great like you know i I would love that to be the case and i would love somebody to take it up because they think oh you can actually like just you know you don't have to look like you know you don't have to wear a Cardigan. Even though I love cardigans, like you don't have to wear a cardigan to go out and play. Um, something like that. I would love that to make a difference.
1: Sure thing. I mean, it would be remiss of me not to bring up your hair, as style and grooming director of GQ. Um, yeah, you you have like you've got kind of Instagram accounts dedicated to it. But it is interesting because you know if you were a footballer or a tennis player. No one would say a thing, but it, because yeah. you're a golfer, I think it's yeah, within I that frame of reference, it's it's such a thing. What 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 are your thoughts on it? I mean, do, do, do you do you find it funny? Is it like is it something you cultivate a little bit? <laughs> like,
0: well, I do find it funny because yeah. um, again, like if I walk around in Manchester or London, well, who would ever take a second look at me for having hair that's past my ear? Exactly. Um, like you know, it is it's not a big deal but in golf it is but um, like, like you know there's two or three people that have longish hair and um, you know like last week I was in Austin and um, had some friends there and there was uh you know one of the kids had long curly hair and he said yeah I grew it because you are you know you've got your hair long and I knew and I knew like I could um, and again like you don't realize such a daft little thing because um i have a bit longer hair because my wife prefers me with longer hair as well um you know it's like just my thing a little bit a kid grew his hair and feels like he can play golf on a golf course because of that and it's you think it's nothing um but in a very traditional sport it obviously means something Um, course, but yeah uh Having an Instagram account for your hair—it's <laughs> it's kind of cool. Is is neat in a way. It's like Connell's chain? Get, get, getting a direct message from your hair is nice.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so growing up, like, who were your idols? Was there anyone that you'd kind of love to
0: challenge to a game now? Um, the, the like the only idol I really, really had. So I I grew up in the era where, like I was six years old when Tiger Woods won his first Masters. Um, I remember walking into the house and my dad saying, This guy's gonna be really, really good. Um, but Tiger was Tiger was never like my hero. He was always the best and I loved watching Tiger Woods play golf, but he was never my idol. Um Ernie Ells was my idol. I, I went to a clinic with him when I was eight, I like this junior clinic and watched him hit balls and he had a pitch taken with me, which I've still got somewhere. Um and he and he always kind of stood out to me. Like I just know i loved his swing and and his mannerisms and how he played the game and everything so he became my golfing idol and my sporting idol and as i grew up and turned professional i got the chance to meet him a couple of times and um you hear it all the time people say never meet your heroes well ernie Els was the opposite of that expression he was so nice um i've had like two or three amazing moments with him i've played golf with him um you know i was sat in 2019, when I was going into the Open final round and I had a chance of winning it, which is my ultimate dream, he was having breakfast on the next table and started talking me through, you know, what I should do on the front nine to win the Open. And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> coolest thing ever!" Like, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, yeah, I, I didn't win, but that that particular morning, I'm like, you know, my hero's telling me how I'm going to win the Open. It that's um, incredible. So that that's you know that that's cool, and he was like the only guy I ever had that I tried to emulate really I you know I you know that was the only one I was interested in
1: uh obviously golf is very different to other sports in the sense that it's completely solo and it goes on you know over a very long period of time and it's kind of endurance in a different way a kind of um how does that change the way you play the game compared to other sports that maybe is a difficult question to answer but also how does it um how do you deal with the pressure because that must be like a really slow build-up over a long period of time. Like, what what are, what are your techniques?
0: I, th- I think you you obviously get you know you you get used to that, and I think golf brings a different kind of pressure. You have to. The two things are it's 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 long, like it's four days, um, five hours a day of playing, and whether you have a putt of six inches or you're hitting a drive three hundred and twenty yards, like they all mean the same. Like you you know you don't get you know nothing. You know, you don't get a shot back, you don't hit a bad one, and it doesn't really mean anything. Um, they all have a massive effect. And the other thing is you have time in between them where you have to think, uh, or you have to try and not to think. So you you make a mistake while well, you have 10-15 minutes to dwell on it before you hit the next one. Um mm. and that brings a different challenge than it being a a very reactive sport. Um I You know, I do think and I I still believe that if you not even sure anybody's done it, but if if you master or you're very good at the mental side of golf, I think it transcends into everything else almost more than any other sport because of that time frame, because of having to, you, you know, you have to, you're on your own and you have too much time to think about things. You have to really like control how you talk to yourself, how you think, being able to switch off, being able to stay present. Because so many things have the chance to come into your mind with that space of time, so I do think that's probably the biggest element mentally of golf that is different to so many other sports.
1: How do and how do you? um, I mean, that sounds like mindfulness. How do you kind of? How do you um, enact that? In personally speaking,
0: I got into meditation a while ago when um, I was struggling. Uh, I was struggling with my game a little bit, and and like I say, this like anybody that's a sportsman your sport goes through your life like you you live and breathe it that's just the nature of it people bring work home whether it be at an office whether it be um wherever you are like you you know you can bring it home easily and I started meditating um back in 2016 when I was sort of trying to get back on track trying to get my game back on track just because I was struggling with confidence really I was struggling with confidence and I was struggling not to think about results and other things and that that really really helped me and to this day it's something that I Go in and out of that meditation, but it it makes a big difference if you can be in the routine of practicing mindfulness or anything like that. And um, these days, you have a lot of apps as well to help you and stuff like that. So um, that's great. But I, you know, I, I do think that you know plays a you know a big part in it. And some people are lucky naturally that they are gifted in a mind that just keeps them very very present, or they have a forgetfulness that is a gift. Um, things like that. Um, but for the majority of people, it always takes work, and like um, like going to the gym, like practicing my golf swing, it it will always come and go. And one of the great things about today is, I think a lot of people talk about it a lot more, and you and you you know, it, there's ways of learning about it that are much more accessible than they've ever been.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you talk about that with because you, cause you had a tough time in two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen, right when you, you kind of game went a certain direction? I mean, did you would you talk to other um, other kind of players about it, other golfers?
0: I never did, and I think you're constantly competing against people, so mm. it's always a difficult one to open up because you feel like you've got to go and play against them in you know an hour or something. So it's always a difficult one, I think. Um, when I you know eventually start you know, when my game came back and I had an amazing twenty seventeen after a really bad fifteen and sixteen or whatever years it was um a couple of people would come to me and ask me about certain things, and I you know would very happily and love talking about it um and I've you know done a lot of reading about things and um you know i never I never struggled badly with any kind of like you know mental issues or anything i was just trying to rebuild my confidence trying and while i was you know getting my game back and it was you know small things but that was just what i was doing and um but i i do think you know talking talking does help and Mm. again like we don't live in a don't really live in a sport where you want to talk about it because it's a competitive sport i i've always found like journaling being very very helpful um that's my way of like talking it talking it through i guess um but yeah like you know it's not like we have a team of you know 20 other players or 15 players like a football team or a rugby team where we could maybe just say something to each other and talk about it we you know it's very individual sport and a very competitive sport
1: sure i mean i think that's a really interesting point particularly if there are kind of younger listening uh, sorry younger listeners listening who are kind of interested in getting into golf um because you know the idea that there can be that um conversation and dialogue is probably quite heartening I mean what would what advice would you give to younger people coming into golf now who kind of want to follow in your footsteps
0: um you know I would want people to be able to develop like the skill of being able to deal with social media I think that's like massive. I think that's so important. I think it's one of the biggest things today. Um, having the ability to like put it to the back of your mind or, you know, not worry about what people say. Um, and I would I would tell people to not and it's a it's a funny one because results are what drives everything. Like, you know, that's that's absolutely how you make your living and all of that. But I would say the ability to just try and make yourself better without worrying about any kind of results and and enjoying the process of that. Um, I would want people to be great, you know, kids especially, I'd want them to be great at those things and go from there.
1: And it, it, that social media point is quite an interesting one because you would almost assume that actually to, to do your sport, you don't necessarily need to be mm-hmm. that active on social. Is it is yeah. it really important, you know, for... for for someone um, doing what you do.
0: Well I, th- I think the I think what happens now is every you know everybody wants to maximize themselves as um profession you know as much as possible professionally and whether that be you know being great for your sponsors being great as an individual um brand um you know social media is very very important. I think there are a lot of benefits from it. You learn a lot from social media, you want to be on there because there's a lot of things on there that you can read or, or learn about. Um, you want to keep up to date with things. So I just think, you know, I it's not, I don't know whether it is unrealistic, but telling, you know, if you talk to my kids, telling them to not go on Instagram or something, it <laughs> seems very unrealistic. So I think rather <laughs> than like saying you're never going to go on it, I think, you know, teaching them, it should, to be honest, it should probably be on the school curriculum like mm-hmm. social media training or something um it's much more it's so much it's such a big thing now and such real life i think it should be probably something that's out there and something that you get taught in school so um yeah telling somebody that they're not going to go on it just seems you know like it's not going to happen
1: marcus rashford had school meals you can have social media
0: love- <laughs> well, Yeah, well, that, that. there you go <laughs> keeping up with him will be a good
1: yeah. um so my final question uh toby fleetwood is for a man who's travelled many places, uh, I imagine I imagine you've played on pretty much all of the courses that you would most like to play on. Are there any that you haven't played on that you'd you'd really love to to have a crack at?
0: Um, there's a few. It's it's funny, really. Like you know, there's probably closer to home. I feel like so many people do these tourist touristy trips to like Ireland or Northern Ireland and play certain courses in Scotland that I still haven't played. Um, that you know, there's things there's definitely things i want to do in the future like i so what i did i grew up uh, or i started playing on a local municipal mm. and for some reason anytime i like drive past or wherever i am in the world i have like an affection to this local municipal there's probably like i would love to do a tour of of them like one day and play like a bunch and seeing seeing people like that um and there's you know on the other end there's a ton of beautiful courses that i haven't played that i would love to play just because Um, I, I like golf, but in general, um, you know, I, I go places and I end up playing somewhere and, you know, think I'm getting paid to do this. Like I get paid to play St. Andrews or Augusta or, Mm. um, TPC Sawgrass or, you know, all these places that people, you know, dream of doing, like I do it on a, on a regular basis. So, um. Yeah, but there's ton. Like I say, like there's there's a lot of courses that I would still love to play.
1: Does it does it feel Does it still feel like a privilege to do what you do?
0: Oh, massive Yeah, massively. That you know, you have your days where you you don't feel that way. Like you feel stressed out, and you you know you feel like you you know that it's it's not happening for you, or you feel like it's more effort than what it should be. But um an unbelievably privileged human being, I've got to say. Fantastic. Tommy
1: Fleetwood, on that note, um, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. At The Edge. Um, Enjoy the rest of your day in beautiful Orlando. (laughs) Thanks, Tao. Thank you for joining us at The Edge, a podcast by Tag Hoyer. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Edge is also an online magazine. Go to magazine.tagheuer.com for more articles, interviews and photo series that bring together our love of watches and our desire to push ourselves to the edge of our limits. I'm your host, Theo van den Bruyke. Until next time, keep an eye out. This is The Edge.